You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Phi, stepping in to set up this episode. This is a conversation I had with Jeff. Jeff is a financially independent recreationally employed realtor, and I found him as I was researching my own dream of retiring to the U.S. Virgin Islands. So he and his wife, they lived in St. Thomas for a few years, and they made some really helpful videos about their life there. Just a really honest review of all the pros and cons of living on a tropical island. So Jeff went from broke at 38 to financially independent at 45, and he and his wife have six rental properties in total, and the income from those have enabled them to live in St. Thomas for a few years. They bought another rental property in Puerto Rico, and now they're preparing to relocate to Spain. And I think you'll see, even though Jeff took some risks that many aren't willing to take, I think his story is interesting because it proves there's just no one way to reach fire. And they were able to do it in a short period of time on a teacher's salary and a realtor's salary. So if you've considered what a life outside the mainland US might look like, I think you'll find his story interesting. Jeff, welcome to Two Sides of Phi. I've been anxious to talk to you ever since seeing your videos about moving to the Virgin Islands. You kind of squashed my dream of of moving to the U.S. Virgin Islands. So I'm thanks, a, thanks a, for that, man. Yeah, I'm afraid I might have done that for a few people, but uh, <laughs> that's sort of what happens when you sort of give a review with nothing to gain on the back end of it. You know, it's just like here's what really what it's like. I appreciated it, and I, I loved the candor, and um, I loved hearing both your perspective on that and your wife's perspective. Um, Can you just kind of catch us up to speed a a little bit, briefly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background with respect to fire and where you're at? Okay, Uh, my name's Jeff. I have a channel called The Retirementality and I I guess I've always been on the path to fire before it had a a word. We're the same age, I think, here. So, um, you know, my dream, like when I got out of college, I thought if I could start 10 small businesses that each made a thousand dollars a month that were easy to run, then I could just sort of set that in motion and that would be my my task. As I discovered how difficult it was to start businesses and run them, I I, I was I kind of described myself too as like the laziest hardworking person that there is. Like I was just like, what's the easiest way to get there? And so that sort of evolved into I, I came up with an idea to buy one to buy 10 houses that each could make thousand dollars a month and then i could just manage these rental properties and then i didn't have to actually work uh-huh. and so that sort of i got into the mortgage industry and then i, I owned a mortgage company for a few years um and that was when i first started trying to buy properties and that's when you could buy them with no money no income no assets no job verification all these things and you could get 100 percent financing and money was just everywhere and then uh so that's what i was doing and then 2008 came and turns out when you're buying property with no money down and you have zero equity and zero uh, emergency fund and zero anything that and all your prices go down by 30 percent it ends badly so the bank took all my properties obviously the mortgage company wasn't making money anymore i was refinancing one house to try to keep the bills paid over here i had a mortgage i had two mortgages office i was trying to keep employees paid and when the dust settled and the house of cards fell, I was just left with nothing. Wow. What age was this? So this was at about 35, 6, 7, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. <clears throat> that hurts. That hurt. Well, at the same time, my girlfriend at the time came home and said, I didn't get with you because I wanted to be poor. I'm out. <laughs> so there was a little extra salt in the wound there. So, yeah, it was just like. You don't even know where to turn at that point. Sure, and yeah. I was living in Montana, and I was just like, okay, well, the sheriff literally came, knocked on my door, and was like, it's time to go, buddy. Like, that's it. Like, whatever fit in your truck. So I got my dog, and whatever fit in my truck, and I left, and I was like, I guess I'll go to the beach. And uh, I went to South Carolina and just kind of tried to regroup there and ended up meeting my now wife in South Carolina. And... The place where I was living, I got behind on my rent there because I was just working crappy jobs and it was expensive to live on the beach in South Carolina. We ended up coming to Florida. I was like, I'm going to Florida. You want to go with me? And she surprisingly was like, yeah, we were still a pretty new relationship. So anyway, we ended up moving to Florida and 
she was not a U.S. citizen, as you, I think, know. So my credit, you can imagine, was like a minus 500. And she wasn't a U.S. citizen, so we couldn't get a loan. So I was like, We've had, she had 30 grand saved up. She, she had lived in Africa, and she was a, she's a, she's a Spanish teacher. Mm-hmm. So she had lived in Africa, and they paid all of her expenses while she was there. So she had like 30 grand saved up. And I was like, okay, let's take, I was like, give me that 30 grand. Let's see what we can do. So we bought a tiny little house down the beach, like a block off the beach. And it's like the smallest thing we could stand to live in and keep our, our, our mortgage and our bills as low as possible. And then we just saved and saved and saved. And then the next year we bought a duplex. And I was like, okay, this is repeatable. And we just started buying one property every year. And that was my new path to fire. Wow. So you were, I'm, I'm, you were all, all on black then. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. I had to stay on there too, because it was just like every dollar that we saved just went to buy the next property. And it's just, the, the lesson I learned was the having no equity. So we put the 20% down on the first house and then we did it by the second one. We saved up till we had 20% down to put on the second one. Okay. Sort of the, the lesson I learned was we learned since we, since we didn't buy the biggest house we could afford, and we bought the smallest one we could stand to live in, and we kept our our bills low. We lived on her salary, her teacher's salary, and we saved my whole salary. That was the key to the whole thing. Okay, and and so the real estate play for you was that was always it was always going to be the thing. It wasn't like buy index funds like typical um, fire oh. movement person like me. Oh I, yeah, I just. I've always been self-employed entrepreneurial type of person. So it can, the grass can be green one day, but it can just dry up and disappear. And as you know, now being the entrepreneur that you are now, not having a steady job, it was just sure. the path, the path for me never was when I started my, when I started my mortgage company, like I'm so proud of myself and I called my dad. And the first thing he said was like, well, what's your backup plan? Do you think maybe you should go back to school and get an MBA? Maybe. And I was like, there is no backup plan. I, I started this whole company on my Amex card. I rented the building. I bought the desk. If the used furniture still were in the computer, and I was in business, and that was it. I'm just, I've always sort of been all in. You're things. you're a burn the ships kind of guy, man. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It it's amazing that you found alignment with your partner too. Because well, I, I actually don't know. Are are you are you married or is it is it a partner? Yeah, we're married now. Yeah. And, and, but you weren't married at the time. So she was investing in this as much as, as you were, right? Yeah. And you say found alignment, like she's the brakes and I'm the gas. Okay. So that's, that's where we align. Yeah. That's, it's, that's a good partnership then. Maybe that's why it didn't work out the first time. Yeah. I didn't have any brakes. <laughs> Interesting. So how would you classify yourself now you know the, the reason that you and i really connected was because um i think jason and i stole your term for recreationally employed and um yeah i wore, I wore my shirt today <laughs> i see that <laughs> and you commented on on one of our videos where do you sit in the fire movement right now like are you retired early are you i mean i know you're recreationally employed you're still working um but you know, are you financially independent how does that look We've always kept our 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 monthly out our our bills have always been low, so it was relatively easy. It took us probably four years of starting with zero and buying rental properties to get to where we were financially independent. Wow, that's um, that's an accelerated yeah. path. That is that just the when number? we bought. I'll just give you quick numbers. The first house we bought, our mortgage payment, I think, was eight hundred and fifty dollars, and then we bought a duplex and. The the rent each each side of the of the duplex got was getting seven hundred fifty dollars a month, and the mortgage on the duplex when we bought it was about eight fifty. So the rent from one side basically paid the rent of the paid the mortgage of the duplex, and the rent from the other side basically paid the mortgage of the house we were living in. So with our first investment property, it was like we paid off our mortgage; we were living for free now. And so then it just allowed us to save faster for the next one, and then it just sort of got easier and easier as you went. So, but no, no, like emergency fund or, you know, the, the typical things you think about people who are yeah, in yeah. The fire movement, it's like emergency fund, I'm going to, you know, invest in index funds and like, you know, I'm going to build yeah. a sort of diversified set of um, income streams. That That's not you. None of that. No, it was more of the Warren Buffett, like invest in what you know, like, uh-huh. like, why are you buying index? Funds? You know how to do this with real estate. You, you might've, you might've gone broke the first time. The, 
the principles were right, the execution was wrong. <laughs> so I just had to sort of regroup and figure out where, what wasn't firing, which pistons weren't firing, and get them all going on the same line. So you, but you actually consider yourself recreationally employed, and I, I'm not huge on definitions here, but I, I guess I, I'm anticipating questions of people listening to this saying, okay, well, real estate is not really passive income, even though that's the technical IRS definition. Um, I, I've seen you know some of your videos where you're you know some of your houses have flooded and you're you're doing all the work and you're living in another country and having to manage rental properties back in the U.S. and like that is not passive. So are you actually recreationally employed or is it a requirement to achieve the passive income? That's a good, that's a good way to phrase that question actually, because I just, financial independence retire early. Just, I always felt like that was a farce because nobody retires at 40 or 50 and they just don't work anymore. Like mm -hmm. even if we're just doing YouTube, you still, we're doing something. And so I consider it based, I can that's why I changed the name to recreational employment. I was like, I'm definitely not retired. I'm like, I'm not, I definitely can't say I'm, I'm retired. And sometimes when I'm, I, my channel is, is sort of, of like I start, when I first started the channel, that was when I was in St. Thomas and I was sitting on the beach with nothing to do and I was retired. <laughs> and I was like, this is boring. And so I was like, I'm going to impart all my years of wisdom and my thousands of mistakes I made to show people how to do what I did and just buy one house every year. And it's, it's harder to do that now, and it's harder. What it'd be way harder to do what I did today than, than when I started ten years ago. And so my channel sort of has evolved, and I I'm kind of doing a little bit more content about being retired and the sort of how it affects your life and your relationship and how to look at things. And sometimes I'm like, boy, who am I to talk about being retired? I have like five jobs. <laughs> exactly. But I don't have to get up and go to work every day. I can pull the plug on everything. The rental properties could subside, could sustain me. I could turn all the rental properties over to a management company and still not have to work. Okay. So, so, but you've, cho you've chosen not to do that because you, you have some affinity for the management side of this. There's some game in it for you, the kind of entrepreneurship game, figuring out how to optimize things, or you actually like getting your hands dirty. I, because it's not for me at all. Like the rental game is just a complete nightmare. Like just thinking well, about having 10 properties out there and all the problems that people are going to bring to me would just be a complete nightmare. But for you, it sounds like it's exciting. All the people who throw the most shade at me and say like, oh my God, rental properties are so difficult. And I'm like, oh, tell me how many properties you have. And they say, well, my mom's brother had one. And he told me that somebody put toilet, put concrete down the toilet. I was like, oh, you don't actually own any rental properties? Like, oh, okay, tell me more. So it's one of those things that it's scary until you do it. Okay. Interesting. I mean, and, so I, and that's no judgment. That's, always, that's half of your question. It, yeah. It's the other half of your question was, do I enjoy getting my hands dirty? And no, I don't enjoy it. Okay. Um, <laughs> At least you're honest. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you starting from like broke, like I was, when I went broke, I had $1.2 million of debt and they took everything away. And then the banks were still suing me because I was personally guaranteed some of the loans that I had out. So I had lawsuits on top of debt, on top of being homeless and, so when you have to claw your way back from that, and also just being an entrepreneur my whole life and starting my mortgage business with my Amex card and everything else, there's just, you close a big deal and you don't go out and buy a Lamborghini. You close a big deal and you go, I can make payroll next month. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Yep. So it's just like, at what point, I mean, it's like we used to clean all of the short-term rentals ourselves. And then we went on vacation for like two weeks and we had somebody clean them and then we're like, hey, that's pretty nice. Let's just, you just kind of slowly turn things over to people more and more as you go. And we we're getting, we've been doing this for 10 years now. So it's, there's more and more things that we're turning over. Like, okay, let's release, like we can afford it. Let's pay somebody to do these things. So. Yeah. I love that you've, that you can project forward and say, it still works even if we have a management company involved. We're making a conscious choice not to do that, but um, yeah. financially. And it, did, it would have never in the beginning, like the the, man, the 20%, especially in the short term, you pay 20% to the management company. And that that was basically our profit market. So there's no way in the beginning we could have done it like that. It would have been, wouldn't have been possible. Sure, yeah. 
I'm sitting here in, in February in, in Maine and it's snowing outside right now. And we take an annual trip to um, the U.S. Virgin Islands to St. John. And I love it down there. And I always had this fantasy of, you know, once I reached Phi of getting a place down there and just moving and living there. And so that's one of the reasons why I came across to your, your videos that we're talking about, like, oh, you know, things we learned living in U.S. Virgin Islands. How did you guys make the transition? So you're living in Florida, you have rental properties in Florida, and you you say, oh, I want to go to the islands. Tell me a little bit about how that came to be. So right before I went broke, like I was this close to like making it big before the, I was in the middle of my first flip house and I was going to make like 400 grand off of this flip house. And then I was going to sell my mortgage company and I was going to sell my two rental properties and my office building that I own. And I was going to cash out and I had an island in Nicaragua picked out and I was going to move up. I, I was literally buy my own, I had my own island picked out that I was going to buy. And I was going to, I had a boat picked out that held like 60 people. And I was going to do, I was going to call them Robinson Caruso tours. And then the tour would end on my island and like six people would stay in my little huts on my island. And that was, that was my it. retirement dream. <laughs> so then I went broke and then that happened. So I've always had the island thing in the back of my mind. So the way that we actually did it, my wife came home, she's from Spain. And she was like, she was had a bad day. She's a school teacher. She, I guess, had a bad day at school. And she was like, I never thought I would live in America for 10 years. I need a change of scenery. And I was like, you can imagine how many crazy things she's let me do right. in our life. And I was like, I was like, you know what? You let me do. It's your turn. What do you want to do? So she just started putting resumes out. And that was the first place that offered her a job. And we just sat here at my kitchen table. And we were like, what do we do? Will we regret this is how I make all my decisions. It was like, would we regret more not to go or would we regret more to go and fail and come back? And it's almost 99.9 .9 times. The answer is, let's, I would regret more if we did not go live on a Caribbean island and see how this goes. And we just sight unseen and we moved there. Wow, that's <laughs> that's not the path for everybody, but that's, that's very, um, yeah, that's aligned with how you make decisions, I see. And so, but there's more to it than that, right? I mean, was it a, were there any financial sort of calculations that went into it? Or was it just like, nah, we'll, we'll make it work? We'll make it work, basically, because I, before we left, I was a realtor. And it's when we, I had talked to a realtor there to help us find a place. And she was like, well, you can come and work for me. And, but being a realtor is not something you can just pick up and move and start over. And I thought I would work as a realtor there and make some money, probably. It turned out to be much more difficult. And the, I mean, it was, it was, A, it wasn't fun working there. So other realtors on the island were very territorial sure. and didn't want any new people to come into their turn. I would call realtors and I, I would have a client that I got off of. I was doing some YouTube things and some uh, TikTok things when I was there. And I was getting buyers and I would call that the listing agents they have a buyer we want to come and view your property and they would say who are you and i'd say i'm so and so with so and so and they're just like no Ooh, wow they would yeah. say no like you're not showing my property I'm like what that's wild <laughs> yeah okay interesting so, that's that's hard to move move your <laughs> your business there yeah that's what it takes yeah headwinds okay and i knew i knew you had to live there for six months before you could even apply for the license so that was in that first six months when I was like sitting on the beach, like, hmm, what do I do now? And that's how I started the channel. Obviously, not everyone's going to have that opportunity. But how would if you were looking at a place to relocate to? Um, I mean, the U.S. Virgin Islands is kind of easy because, you know, English is the is the spoken language there. You know, there's no visas to, no, to worry about. No right? visas, correct. Yeah. Um, that's why it was the obvious choice when yeah. it came up. Okay. She, there was a, another, well, there was a couple other schools in other countries kind of in the, in play, but we were like, this is the easiest one. Let's go here. Yeah. And so um, you just rented a place down there first or did you buy a place? Yeah. Okay. We went there with the intentions of buying and quickly found that it, it was way more expensive. Like we looked online, but we didn't know like um, homeowner's insurance on a house would be about $15,000 a year and electricity is 48 cents a kilowatt hour. And like all these other things on like, like the condo, like we thought maybe we'll just buy a condo. Then we got there, like you couldn't, we didn't do a ton of research, I guess, but a lot of these things you just couldn't figure out. Like most of the condo buildings, you can't get financing on. So you had to pay cash. And then 
after you pay cash, then their HOA fees were like $1,800 a month. And then on top of that as a $500 a month power bill, they're just like, like, okay, luckily we didn't sell this house that I'm sitting in now. And I didn't burn the boats for once in my life. <laughs> hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Five. If you've been listening to Jason and I on the podcast, you may not be aware that we also have a YouTube channel. And quite often we have supporting graphics, charts, information, and even a few outtakes that don't fit well in an audio format. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can find us on YouTube at Two Sides of Five. Yeah. So tell me about that, because I mean, was this planned to be just a temporary thing? Like, let's let's give it a, a year or two. Or was there a contract involved, a teaching contract or tell me uh, a little bit about that? There, she had a two year contract. Yeah, she had a two year contract with a ten thousand dollar penalty if she backed out. So we knew we were going to be there for two years. OK, yeah. Um, but other than that, we didn't know it was. A, let's see how it goes. If we would have we put offers on a couple. If we would have bought a house there, our lives would be definitely different. It just didn't work out for us to buy something. But we we went there with the intention to buy something. Sure. And so when you say definitely different, it would it uh, for the better or? It's hard to say for the better or not. We, we definitely wouldn't be recreationally employed because it costs way more money to live there. I would definitely be having to work and the wife would definitely be having to work. Before before we really did any of this, we didn't really track our spending. We just always knew it's like it's like the joke that I still have checks left in my checkbook. So there must be money. So it just <laughs> always worked out. And there, there was always extra money at the end of the year. So when we left there, we had a better understanding of what our finances actually looked like. And so I told my wife, I was like, we can stay here and you can continue to work. And I can put in a little extra effort to work because I'm kind of done working, but I, I don't mind. I, I, li- I like selling real estate, even though it wasn't fun there. I was like, or you can retire and we can move back to Florida and I can just sort of pick up the real estate gig that I was doing and just because I can make. $30,000 a year without trying too hard just from past clients because the phone still just rings because I've been doing this for 10 years. So okay, I know I could just be here and make some money and she didn't have to work. And that was kind of the preface. Like that was the big, when we were deciding if it was worth it to be there, she's like, you know what, maybe I don't want to. So it just what we were getting for our money there. We did feel like we were getting our money's worth there. So we came back here. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to dig into a little bit about life there because I think it's easy to, you know, for me as an outsider to look at the vacation life and project forward to Phi and equate the two uh, incorrectly, probably. Like, you know, my longing for St. John right now as I'm staring out at a pile of snow outside is probably way different than the feeling of living there for two years. Um, and yeah. I'm interested to push into that kind of um, the difference there. And so your your wife is working. She's teaching. You are trying to drum up a little bit of work, it sounds like, while you're living in St. Thomas, but it yeah. wasn't really that easy for you. So you guys, in some ways, so you were living the retired lifestyle, even if you were sort of pursuing other other things recreationally. Mm-hmm. Um, but it naturally means that you're, you're thrust into like, a new location where you don't have any friends, I'm assuming, and yeah. like no network, you feel like kind of an outsider. Tell me about that because I worry about that. I mean, just even as someone who's maybe going to relocate out of Maine and just go find another place to live, whether that's abroad or not, like, how does that feel? For me, it's not too scary. I've lived, this, I've lived in Iowa, Texas, Georgia, uh, California, Montana, Wyoming, Oregon. Back to Montana, South Carolina, Florida, Virgin Islands, Florida. The same with my wife. My wife has lived in Norway, Spain, Africa, the U.S., and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So she's not afraid to pick up and go, too. So, yeah, I'm sort of a guy that can have, like, one good friend and be totally fine with that. Yeah. And I, I ended up getting onto the Bigger Pockets website, and there was one other real estate investor in the Virgin Islands, and he and I ended up going to have a beer together and becoming like really good friends. And so that was like the one guy that I met. I and we had that. real estate in common. So. Okay, yeah, cool. All right, but um, so I I know my wife is worried about this. Like when I spend a lot more time at home, and it's just the two of us. Like, is that the best for your relationship? How did, how did that work between you two? Because I mean, obviously, you you know, you okay, you have this other tight friend, but you're probably spending a lot of time with your wife now in, in a different way, right? Well, not so. When we were there, it was pretty much she was going to work every day, and I had worked from home anyway as a realtor. So from for, from that standpoint, things weren't very different. It was just like I really didn't have anything to do there. So then, sort of the dynamic between 
one spouse being retired and the other spouse not being retired. And like, like me and my buddy, we used to go sailing every Thursday and play pickleball on Tuesdays. And we did a lot of drinking on the beach because there was nothing else to do. And it's part of the island. It's, just, it's the island culture. You're supposed to do that. Right. And so there's, there's a little bit of guilt involved with like, while well, your wife is slaving away to pay your rent, like you're like on a sailboat with a <laughs> bottle of champagne, like popping course with your buddy. Like, so there's, there's, there's a different dynamic there. But I mean, I'm interested to know, I mean, you guys went down there with like grand dreams, I'm, I'm sure. And as I would look at it, you know, that's kind of halfway to South America. It's easy access to Latin America. You got all the other islands down there. Even if you got a little bit of island fever, which it sounds like maybe you did, you got access to all these other places. Tell me a little bit about that. How did that work out for you? That was actually one of the bigger disappointments was we had grand hopes of island hopping and going to all the down island chain. And it, it was super expensive to do that. And you end up half the time flying through Miami before oh. you go somewhere else. Um, and there's some little puddle jumpers you could get, but the prices were just ridiculous. The only easy place to hop back and forth from was Puerto Rico. Um, you could catch a 18 minute flight for $38 over to Puerto Rico. So we did, we started going to Puerto Rico a lot. Mm -hmm. Cool. And it sounds like you actually use that. I mean, that was another launching point for you buying real estate again, right? <laughs> I want to get into that, but how, yeah. I mean, how did you get sick of the beach? I mean, could you ever get sick of it's the not beach? That you, no, and I didn't get, we didn't get sick of the beach and we really didn't get island fever either. Um, I had spent 10 years living in the middle of nowhere on the mountain in Montana and I'm totally fine with that. Um, it was more of the fact of it's just when you're on an island, it was, it was the, the difficulty to travel to the other islands was frustrating. And there was more and more of just like, what do you want to do today? Do you want to go to the beach or go to the beach? <laughs> and the, the most, one of the most fun things we could do was get on the ferry and go over to St. John. Um, it's, but yeah, it's just, it got repetitive. Sure. Yeah. It's more of the same. Yeah. It was, it was a, it's a very cool place to live. I don't want to diminish that. It was very, it was a very cool place to live. It was a wonderful experience. We wouldn't trade it for anything. But it was just, it got, for us, the reason why we left, like I said, it's just like, we just felt like for what we were paying for the experience, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, great. So what's what's next on your journey? Because I know you hopped around a little bit. Well, yeah, well, while we were there, this so we, the first time we went to Puerto Rico, and so we kind of woke up and like, so my wife is like, oh, what do you want to do today? And I was like, uh, well, we have an appointment with a real estate agent at 12. <laughs> She's like, are you kidding me? I was like, I just want to look at a couple of things while we're here. So we looked at a couple of properties and we found one that we just fell in love with and we couldn't come to an agreement on the price with the guy and ended up, I, I love the house so much and I love the little neighborhood it was in sort of made friends with the guy that I couldn't agree on the price with. And he's my neighbor across the street. I bought a house across the street from him. So we did. So we bought a house in Puerto Rico that we have as an Airbnb now. Oh my God. So this was just like on a whim. Well, we did. It was no, I shouldn't. It took us like three more trips over there. Before okay. we so, I mean, this kind of brings up the question, though. How do you do research? Is it just I mean, is it sounds like it's maybe more emotional or gut feel than anything else. But um, how do you yeah, do it? I'm not a big I'm not a spreadsheet guy. I'm not a, a huge number. Puncher. I'm sensing that. Like, <laughs> but like the lesson I learned after going broke with real estate, like when I bought that duplex, I looked at the numbers and the fact that if the market went down 40% and I had to cut my rents in half, I could still pay my mortgage. Uh -huh. So I knew like you one side of that duplex, yeah, one side of that duplex paid, it was $100 short of paying the whole mortgage. So like if one side was empty or if, if I had to cut rents in half, I knew I was, every decision with real estate was like, will this make me go broke again? <laughs> and if the answer is no, I'm like, okay, let's, What's step two? Okay. Can it make money? Okay. It can make money. Step three. I know how much work does it need? Step four. Like, you know, is this a short-term rental or a long-term rental opportunity? So it's just like, that's more of my, my thought process. This doesn't drive your wife crazy. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Are you partners in the business? I mean, <laughs> definitely. Yes. Okay. <laughs> She's integral in everything. Interesting. So yeah. with the short-term rentals, she sort of handles the bookings and the calendars and the the guest interaction. 
and I handle the broken toilets and the angry people and the leaky roof. So was it was it by choice that she assumed that role or like did you guys talk about that because I have a similar situation with my business and you know if my wife is getting ready to leave her her position I I want her to join me and we've been having discussions about that. How did it work for you guys? Did you have discussions? I mean yeah. she's she's a teacher, oh. right? This isn't really what she signed yeah. up for necessarily. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi, checking in with a quick request. Jason and I love making this show and sharing our conversations, but we need your help spreading the word. The best way to do that is to give us a quick rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And if you know someone on the Fi path, please hit that share button on your favorite episode. Every little bit helps. Thanks. Yeah, no, we never really talked about those things. It just, just evolved organically. That's how it just okay. started, kind of worked out. But I did... I did more of the guest interactions in the beginning because she was working full time then. And right. so I did a little bit more of it then. And as she's worked less, like she's still doing some teaching, but she teaches online. So she's from home now also. So she has more time to do those things. And so sometimes she's, she feels, I think, a little bit like I haven't done anything for three days or five days or a week. And she's doing all these guest interactions. And then all of a sudden there's a huge problem and she just goes, Okay, have fun. And then now she's like, okay, now it makes sense. Go do your thing. So Yeah, interesting. It works out. Okay, I love that. Yeah. You know, we haven't... Um, one important thing that we didn't touch on with living in St. Thomas, and this probably applies to Puerto Rico too. Did you move to Puerto Rico actually? Or you just... No, that's just an no we didn't move there. Okay. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about healthcare. So she got healthcare through her job. Okay. I have a previous job um that still paid my health care so neither one of us had to pay for health care in st thomas um so we basically had well, i still have stateside health care she had st thomas health care most people leave the island if you have anything more than a broken leg you go somewhere else. okay she had some teacher friends with kids and things and like they would go to puerto rico for a lot of the things for their children so for for major things too you have you pay for another insurance, which is like medical evac insurance so that you could get a helicopter instead of paying $12,000 for it, where it's like $800 a year or something for, for a helicopter insurance. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, so you both effectively had private healthcare insurance. Is that yeah. right in saying that? Okay. Yeah. I see. And so you build that into your budget that you don't do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We track expenses. Okay. Well, tell me about that. Like you said the past year you've tracked expenses more than more than you ever have. What like what's what's the living budget? The living budget, we just did it. I just I was watching a YouTube video of somebody else doing their year-end finances. I knew my wife had been tracking things kind of monthly and I was like, "Did you add all that up?" And she's like, "No." I was like, "Let's add it all up for since you did it monthly." I was like, "Let's add it all up and see what we spent last year." And I was shocked to see that it was like 30, like excluding travel. I think it was pretty much just excluding travel. It was like 35,000 wow. for our expenses. All right, so I just wanna break in here and say that Jeff followed up with me after our chat with an asterisk to their budget. Their spend last year was 35,000 and that included his wife's health insurance, but it didn't include their housing costs. So that added another $22,000 to their annual spend. And then they also spent another $7,000 on travel. So that brought the total annual spend to about 64,000. So let's continue on as I ask him about his travel spend. We did three weeks in Mexico. We did two trips to Puerto Rico that were two weeks each. And then we did a, we did a month in Spain and that was about $3,000. Amazing. And, uh, and of course, should, my wife should be a, she should be a travel agent. She's really good at planning travel. <laughs> it sounds like it, man. Yeah. You're lucky to have that. Yeah, I had this grand idea that if we had a house in Florida and a house in Puerto Rico and a house in Spain, and then we could spend three months at each house. And we've since abandoned that idea because every time we go to Puerto Rico, we spend the first six days like fixing things and doing projects. And you're, it's never a vacation. It's just like you're you're still working on rental property. So right, exactly. We're looking more towards having one home base, and then as we travel, just let other people fix the crap at their houses. And we'll right. Stay there. I mean, that budget seems that would be a hard budget for me to maintain. Like if I was traveling around the world, do you see that escalating? Like, and if so, how do you handle that? Part of the reason we want to to move to Spain is the the homeowners insurance in Florida has just gotten ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Um, property taxes are still pretty low, but 
just the, the property taxes and the insurance and the flood insurance on this house that I'm sitting in, even if I paid the mortgage off, which I haven't, but if I were to pay the mortgage off, this house cost me almost a thousand dollars a month to sit empty just to cover those things before turning the power on so that the Florida humidity doesn't eat the house. Uh-huh. So easily, easily a thousand dollars a month for this house to sit empty. But in Spain, if we sold this house and bought a house in Spain, the homeowner's insurance is $800 a year and the taxes are $300 a year. And there's solar panels on the roof of the house that we like. So it cost me $100 a month for a house to sit empty if I want to spend six months traveling. So it's it makes more sense to have an asset that costs $0 to sit empty than the one that's costing me $1,000. Sure. So how does health insurance come into this? Because as I look at my health insurance numbers, and granted, I have two kids, um, but that this is like in the 20s easily for you know a standard health insurance plan. Um, how, so how does that work? Yeah. So my health insurance is covered from a side gig that I have. Okay. So I don't pay for my health insurance. Okay. And the wife, she pays for her own health insurance, and I think she pays three twenty a month. She pays. That's amazing. Well, I appreciate you giving all this detail because I mean I think everyone these are the questions that people have when it comes to living a kind of fire lifestyle. It's like, you know, how does it all work? Now, now Spain, <laughs> tell me about this. Are you guys, do you guys just not want to sit in one place for any more than a couple of years? Is that what it is? Yeah, the longest I've ever been anywhere is eight years. And it went, it was sort of a pattern for a while, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, I'm really looking forward to a new adventure. I feel, I feel like the longer I'm in a place, the lazier I get and I'll just, really fall into kind of like just I don't want to call it a rut but just like the daily routine and the things that you do and I just really feel like I I just need to shake it up every few years I love it so you know the one of the videos that I watched on your channel recently um, showed you guys kind of going you know picking a place in Spain and then just driving along the coast and like just we're gonna check this out tell me tell me about the thought process there like, did you guys target different areas? Like, obviously your wife has family back there. Did they say, oh, you should check this out and that out and this out? Or how does that work? It was the exact opposite of that. <laughs> so we we have an idea of what we want in Spain. And it's like when we were looking for a house in Puerto Rico, I learned a lot by buying the house in Puerto Rico because when you, you start off, you don't know anything. And then you have this geographic region, like Spain is the size of Texas. So, okay, we want to move to Spain. So, okay, where do we start? Okay, we want to be close to the beach. Okay, we want it to be a warmer climate. Okay, so now we're like in this part of the south of Spain along the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Okay, do we want to be in a desert environment? Do we want to be in a mountain environment? Do we want it to be arid? Like, you just sort of start shrinking it down until we got it to like a 300-mile sliver. And then we said, okay, let's take a month and we'll rent a car and we'll just, we didn't even book anything in advance. We stayed at the first place and in two days we're like, we don't like it. We went to the next one. We stayed there for like five days. Okay, let's go to the next one. We just spent a month doing that, driving down the coast. I love it. And you made video along the way. So, you know, people can go check out that video and and see yeah. see what you learned. I mean, because that really is the key, right? I mean, when you land, it's one thing to look at a place online and project yourself there, but landing there and being in the culture and seeing the restaurants and meeting the people, is it changes things, right? Yeah, and what you can do, I mean, all these... Facebook groups in Spain. You do all the. I learned I didn't do maybe enough research for St. Thomas, so I did maybe too much research. I've been, I've been saving for two years. I've been saving properties in Spain. I have like 213 properties saved in this, their version of Zillow. Oh my god! So and then we got like we went to the place that I thought was going to be our first choice because there's an international airport and it's right on the beach and it's pretty affordable. And we got there and the town was ugly and it was just, we were like, no, this is, it was too big. There was too crowded. It was too noisy and it was dirty. And we we're like, no, this is not the vision of living on the Mediterranean and Europe that I had in mind. And tell me a little bit about how you approach the language barrier because you don't speak Spanish, right? That's right. Yeah. Or um, travel or Spanish. Poquito. <laughs> I do, but like a small child. <laughs> he, speaks, he speaks to me like I'm four years old. I can Get, I can get by. Okay. But I mean, so, that's, that's not conducive to like relocating and living a life there though, is it? No. Well, yes and no. Like when I, I've spent weeks at a time by myself in Puerto Rico and where our house in Puerto Rico is, it's, it's not the tourist area. That's, it's very Puerto Rican. And I've been there for two or three weeks at a time and I can converse and go to the 
Home Depot and buy things and go out to eat and get dinner. Um, it's not conducive to have a Puerto Rican friend and hanging out with them that doesn't speak any English. Right. Um, but there's, I do, I've met some friends that I have in Puerto Rico, but they're sort of people from the state side that, that speak English. So, sure. yeah. So it's the same that the place that we sort of narrowed down in on Spain that just happened to be our favorite is also like this British enclave. So, like, every there's bangers and mass for breakfast everywhere, and everyone's oh, wow. speaking English everywhere. <laughs> okay. You're not going to tell us where this is? For that reason. <laughs> not yet. You don't want all the ex the other expats uh, swarming it, do you? That's right. You got to get your place first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to got to sell this house and buy my house there. Wait, so is that the plan? Are you gonna Are you gonna sell your place in Florida? We're, yeah, that's the plan. Wow, that is a burn the ships move. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not it's surprised. Very hard decision because. Like you saw, I guess you saw the video where this house flooded, and now that we've remodeled it, this was our sort of forever home already, and now that it's all brand new and beautiful, it's even a harder decision. But uh huh, it's, it's just a thing. Uh huh. So you are going to have to learn Spanish. I'm just gonna, I'm letting you know that, man. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna. Well, I'm married to a Spanish teacher, but her teaching style and my learning style are not conducive. I think it's like they say, like never teach your spouse to play golf or. or <laughs> or to ski like i think it's for us it's one of those things i'm gonna have to get my own language coach when we get there yeah duolingo man uh i've i am i don't know it sounds like we may be alike but i have a real mental block for learning other languages and i don't know if that's just because yeah. i'm an american or what it is but i i feel incapable of doing it um but it really for shuts me down the options if you can't learn another yeah. language because spain is super attractive to me you know portugal is too but like I mean, I think Portuguese is even harder to learn than than Spanish is. So yeah. am I cutting off options? Because one of the things I wanted to ask you was like, it's great that like there's like a British expat like kind of enclave there, but are you just isolating yourself? I don't think so. Like, again, like I'm not a guy that needs to have 10 best friends. Yeah. I need like one best friend to yeah. go fishing with or go do whatever with. So um, I don't, I don't feel like that it would be. My, my sort of vision of retirement in Spain is like working on my book and going out on my little boat to go fishing and like picking oranges from my trees in my yard. And like, it's, it's not like going out to the bars and like meeting everybody anymore. That's really not my, yeah, my, no, that's my a, mission. That sounds amazing. Okay. It, it does make me wonder what is your, what's a typical day like for you right now? A typical day is getting up, handling emails, little bit of work in the morning, handling some real estate clients, um, and then usually doing some exercise and eating lunch. And then in the afternoon, it just sort of takes me where it needs to go up. I, every, every couple of days, something needs to be done at a property. And I go across the street, and there's a beach right there. I do fish, go fishing. And so for the winter, it's it's been a lot more sitting in front of the computer but i'm ready for spring to get back and i have a group of buddies that we go fishing at least once a week on a boat so oh awesome what are you fishing for we're fishing mainly for red snapper grouper trigger that sort of thing awesome oh, that sounds amazing that sounds like a great day and how how does it uh, interface yeah, no, how does it interface with your your wife's day the wife's day is spent more she's like i said she's teaching online so she doesn't teach actual classes. So she's tied to her computer a little bit more. She's uh -huh. answering students' questions and parents' phone calls and things for most of the day. So she can sort of schedule days where she she can just say, I'm unavailable this week from Wednesday to Friday if we're traveling. Or she can say, like, I'm only available until noon. And so if, like when we were in Spain, she would just say, like, I'm only available for these hours, obviously, because of the time difference. And so she would just handle all the students things for two or three days during certain a certain window so it's pretty easy for her you kind of put this life together of your own making and you're not afraid to change it up every couple of years or six months i don't think that's comfortable for a lot of people but you don't sound at all worried about finances or all of the typical things that like the typical fire people wow. concern themselves with um 
I, I, th- I may not see worried. I spend an inordinate amount of time calculating the variables of how I'm not going to go broke. <laughs> and is that just because of the, like, uh, of your past? Is that, is that why? Cause I would think if that were true, you would be more spreadsheet oriented. Like, okay, I gotta, I gotta maybe get this down. And the, my wife gets in my head a little bit on that too, because she's always, I'm the, I'm the roses and rainbows and she's the, whatever the opposite of that is. So she's like, well, what if we haven't, what if, what if the economy stays bad and people don't come and rent our short-term rentals? <laughs> and I'm like, I always say, what if aliens come? I mean, it's like, come on, we have a, we've been doing this long enough. We have an average of, we've had good years and we've had bad years. And uh-huh. if we average that out, you know, so I've taken all, I've taken the, the, some of the numbers from our bad years and plug them in and say, okay, well, this is what a bad year looks like. And this is what a good year looks like. And so I, I've crunched the numbers a thousand times and, all of them say we, we could just move to Spain and be totally retired or be here and be totally, we could, if we stay here in Florida, we can be retired and, and to have a little tiny buffer or we can go to Spain and have a 50% buffer. So that's really what the, that's what's behind the move here is that you're buying yourself a little bit more padding. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. If you, if someone were to take something away from our chat, what would you want it to be? You know, your story and your, your ability to kind of um, you're making you're making lemonade, right? I mean, it's that's not said disparagingly, but it's like that's the life of an entrepreneur, right? You you turn sources into resources, and you're not afraid yeah. to do that. I know that not that's not for everyone, um, but what would what would you want someone to take away from your your path to fire? I think the thing that I've where my my YouTube channel has kind of gone now the. the main message that I'm pushing is that, you know, the main problem people have with retirement is they don't, they say you have to retire to something, not from something. That's great. But I just, they, I think that's too simple and too, too, like too sexy. Like the fire, the, the retire early part is the sexy part of the fire movement, but recreational employment is not, you can't sell that because there's still the word employment in there. You need retirement in there. So without the retire early part, it's not sexy enough and nobody wants to do it. <laughs> so retire to something is cute, but what does that mean? And it's like what you said that I've done is you have to create the life that you want. And you have to, before you retire, you have to look at what is, what do I want my daily life to look like in retirement? Do I want to go fishing? Do I want to be on a boat? Do I want to go golfing? You know, what does it look like? Do I want to live in Spain? Do I want to live in Maine? Do, how much does it cost? Do I want to be closer to the grandkids? What does that cost? How much do I want to travel? What does that cost? And you have to calculate what that, what those, what's your life. First, you have to figure out what you want your life to look like. And then you have to calculate what you want your life to cost. And then everybody trying to save this arbitrary number. My fire goal is 5 million, 3 million, 2 million. Why? Why is that your number? Because it sounds sexy. Like that's a great round number. But what is, what does your life actually cost? And if your life actually costs $75,000 a year to run, and you can do that with four rental properties, why do you want, 13 rental properties like if you really want to retire early you have to know what your life costs yeah interesting i mean it's i I always think about that you know that advice about what are you retiring to and i have a hard time figuring out what what it is necessarily and if i look at someone like you you know you and your wife have have taken a whole bunch of different mini retirements it looks like you've, you've gone to yeah you know st thomas came back to florida you got some property in puerto rico and now you're going to spain who knows how long that's going to be i mean you know you could be back in montana again for all we know or maybe in latin america yeah. somewhere and um i find that challenging just because if you have to figure out what your life costs but you don't know what the life on the other side looks like it's a hard thing to plan for so if you're a planner it's hard. I admire you for being able to kind of just burn burn the ships and just go for it. Because <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. I'm very, I I am much more like your wife in terms of planning. I'm like, I, oh, I got to spreadsheet this baby out and really figure it out. So, but if you have if you're a person like you that has a big pile of cash saved up and you're going to do a withdrawal rate and you're going to draw that money down, you're not going to go broke overnight. So, you know you. You, if you have a long enough runway, you can make changes, you can change lanes, yeah. you can have stop gaps, you can have kickstands and whatever words you want to use, but <laughs> you you can readjust and you can go back and invent another um, studio like yours that you have 
And boy, I was researching you a little bit before we started here. 1.2 million subscribers on your other channel. What an accomplishment that is. You could just put out three videos a day on that channel and pay the bills probably. <laughs> but it's like you, you know, um, I mean, I consider myself an entrepreneur and I, uh, having built this thing, I know I can go and build something else. Like, so to me, that's less scary about how I could make another income stream. It's the, the scarier part for me is walking away from something I'm interested to keep doing. It's like, it's probably the reason why you have multiple YouTube channels and multiple houses and of interest in fishing. And you know, God knows how many other interests you have, because that's just who you are. It's that you are not the guy who's going to sit yeah. on the beach in St. Thomas and be like totally content with that for more than, you know, a year or two and, years. Yeah, <laughs> and it's funny too, because like I say, I'm the self-proclaimed lazy person. And I thought <laughs> that just slaving on the beach was just totally, I'd be totally content with that, but it's not there yet. Yeah, man. It's interesting. I, I love, I love speaking to other people who have created businesses because it's, it's like in so many ways it's doing, doing life on hard mode. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy it really to set is, that up yeah. and it's, and, and you're proof that, you know, you went broke at 38 or whatever and retire at 45 and then choose what you want to do. And like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't happen with just a regular job. You got to take some real risks. And so I applaud the risks you've taken and I appreciate you sharing your story um, because it's non-traditional, but it's, it's open and available to everybody. And, and I love that. Well, um, <laughs> and another takeaway that I guess I would like for people to see is whenever people talk about investing in real estate and you go on the bigger pockets or these YouTubers, it's always like the only people that get any, any, any media players, like the guy that has 300 units. And it's like, I have six units and it took four for me to hit financial independence. And we were able to do that in four years because we don't have kids and we kept our expenses low. But even if you could do it in eight years or 10 years and you could reach financial independence by one duplex every two or three years, it's doable for people. Like she was a school teacher making 50 grand a year and I was selling real estate and I never crushed it out of the park. I was making between 50 and 100 most years. So we were doing that on, you know, under 150 easily, just saving up a down payment for a house and then re rinse and repeat. And it's doable by it for anybody. It's yeah. not the way most people want to save up the big pile of money, but there's there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I love that. There are so many definitions of phi, and this is just another gradation of that. And you found a way to make it work for you. And I presume the trade-off is you get to call call the shots every day. And I, like I, for me, I'm I'm unemployable, you know. And I know you are too. And you'd never go back to working for somebody else. Yeah. Um, and that's the ultimate freedom, I think. And um, and to do something and live in a place that you want to be. It's even better. So yeah, I appreciate you coming sure. on here and, and chatting with me and I, I wish you the best. I hope people go and follow your channel and you know watch you and your wife as you possibly move to Spain. What's what's the timeline for it? Uh, we'll have to see. And it's all just sort of depends on, on selling this house. That's the first uh -huh. thing. So we've got one of our other rental properties for sale also. So we'll see kind of how the market goes, but we're, we're ready to go anytime. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. Thanks for all your time. It's been a ton of time, I know. And uh, hopefully you're going to go off to the beach and go have a beer or something. I need to go fishing on the beach. I haven't done that for a while, but I think this weekend could be the day. Yeah, right on. Cool, man. Well, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. This was fun. Yeah, cheers. Take care. All right, buddy. All right, bye-bye. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. Two